Welcome to the RedX Real Estate Podcast. Here, you'll discover how to create stability and opportunity for your business with tips, tricks, habits, and hacks from top performing agents. If you'd like to receive notifications for new episodes, be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you like to listen. And for even more updates on eBooks, webinar trainings, and other useful real estate content, head over to theredx.com slash blog and click on any blog post to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Thanks for listening. Now sit back and enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everybody. Tyler at the Red X. We've got uh, some amazing stuff that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about bank-owned properties, short sales, foreclosures, forbearance, and and uh, and and all while living a normal life while you do it. So, Christina Griffin with in Florida, Tampa, Florida. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Now, uh, you and I had a chance to talk prior to the show, and and you shared your story with me a little bit, and. Uh, I, I would love for you to take a couple of minutes and and sh- and reshare with our viewers because because I think what's going to happen is they're going to recognize that all of the success that you've achieved, which is tremendous, and we'll talk about that, um, it has all been done while while facing a lot of the same trials or even more trials and adversity that maybe some people face in their life. I mean, um, I, I think what's going to happen is people on this podcast are going to go, oh man. It, it, Real life happens to everybody, even the people who are just, I mean, top agents in the market. And so could you share your story a few minutes with us to bring us up to speed to how you got to where you are? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Christina Griffin. I'm a mom of three. I am a team leader of a large team in the middle Florida market. We cover about eight different counties and we're based out of the Tampa area. I have been through absolutely everything. Um, And I'll share with you, I'd say the condensed version. Um, I'm also a MAPS coach and part of Keller Williams. And um, so uh, here goes. So um, I'll be honest with you, COVID's been a blessing for me and I'll share with you why. Um, But first and foremost, um, going back in time, I When I was eight, I was abused by an uncle while my mom was dying of the same cancer I went through. Um, My mom died at when I was nine years old of cancer. Um, Nine years later, my dad died in a boating accident. Nine years after that, my sister got killed in a drunk driving accident. I was married at 21 um, when my dad died when I was 18, I had a decision to take custody of my sister who was 16 years old or have her go live with my grandmother. So as soon as my dad died, I made the decision to take custody of my sister and immediately forego the scholarships that I had and go straight into real estate. So at 18 years old, I was managing a 650 unit apartment community uh, doing full lease up and renovation of the entire complex. At 21, I got pregnant with my first child, got my real estate license, and went into general real estate. So I uh, was blessed to join a small company who was a local real estate investor and uh, learn everything from him. And quickly, um, he actually told me to not answer the phone, uh, not uh, only answer the phones and give him the messages. Um, within about a month, I sold all of his houses uh, and got really great at finding properties for him. Uh, so during that whole time frame on 
on my mom dying. I gained, I believe I was about 250, 300 pounds at uh, 20 years old. And um, during that time, I still did whatever it took to get up each and every day to do the things for my family. So 21, had my first child, I got up to about 350 pounds, uh, was really, really great at um, finding property um, and analyzing data and thinking outside of the box. I joined investor groups, um, rented large buses, uh, had investors that would go on these buses to local REO properties, have contractors there, walk them through, and I'd have 20 offers immediately. So immediately I started in that niche. A lot of that was who, who I joined. So during that time frame. I sold hundreds of properties. I flipped hundreds of properties from about the time I was 21 until the time I was, I'd say about 24. Then I went, I had my second son, went through a really bad divorce, met the love of my life who was actually my personal trainer. And I lost a little over a hundred pounds. And the, the more weight I lost, the better I got uh, with confidence and being in front of people. So it was definitely a trial and it was getting healthier because I, I had those two awesome kids and I wanted to do whatever it took for them. Um, my, mom, dad, and, my mom and dad were already deceased and my goal was to become the healthiest version of myself and show up every day for my kids because no one else was going to. I was already divorced at the time. Um, love, my love of my life got shipped to Iraq for a year. Uh, we lost everything, rebuilt, and I got remarried. Uh, we are, gosh, happily crazy in love still. So I, um, I did good. Uh, now, during that time frame, <laughs> I, I sold... Um, hundreds of houses. And um, it, when he got home from Iraq, uh, myself and uh, the small company we split, um, I outgrew it. A lot of the REOs and the bank-owned properties that I sold to the investors in the downturn, they all, the hard money companies and the subprime companies started taking them back as bank foreclosures. So in 2007, um, the end of it, my sister got killed in a drunk driving accident. I hit rock bottom. Um, however, I still had to get up each and every day and take care of the, my two kids. And I joined a bigger company, more support. Um, they immediately asked me if I wanted to be part of a space in their REO department. And I took it, space nobody wanted. Sold several hundred homes that first year. So I had two kids, newly married, my sister died, my mom and dad were already deceased, and I, it just, it was one of those time frames, I, I'd say that it was hard to get up each and every day, my weight started coming back, um, and however, I was selling hundreds of homes a year. Um, so as the market changed and I grew in REO, um, at points, uh, between 2008 and 2013, I had three to 400 listings. 
So a lot of what changed for me was I wanted another child and that, um, other child I was told I couldn't have. Um, I had the doctors found out I had the same cancer that my mom died of and I was stubborn and didn't, didn't want to give up. Um, I'd say a few weeks later, uh, one of my asset management companies asked me to go check out this coaching program, uh, that they were affiliated with and it changed my world. So here I am trying fighting cancer, um, two kids and hundreds of listings. I did not even know what a CRM was. So in 2013, I had already sold thousands of homes. I didn't know what a CRM was. Um, I didn't have buyer's agents. I had one assistant and I was doing everything wrong. So I walked out of that coaching program, hired a coach right away. And I said, I was going to do whatever it took to regain my business. And in return, I also regained my health. And a few months later, um, I did have a miscarriage. Um, however, a month later, after I decided to go ahead and give up and have a hysterectomy uh, at the pre-op appointment, um, I, they found out I was pregnant again and I have a five-year-old miracle baby boy. And, uh, so, you know, I guess I'd say the moral of the story is you, if your why is bigger than the problem, no matter what you can get up and you can do whatever it takes. So I just kept surrounding myself through this coaching program with people that thought bigger, um, that did more and I wanted more. So I started a team, um, did not know about systems or models, but I followed the, what the coaching program told me. And I had uh, quickly, due to all of the REO listings I had, lots of leads, lots of opportunity, and grew a very large team. Um, so I would say we kept growing. I still wasn't profitable. Uh, and I joined a um the company I'm with now to learn how to run a business and run a profitable business. I've always been great at uh, selling hundreds of homes, creating lots of opportunity, attracting people, but there's so much more to it. Consistency, culture, um, having mission, vision, values, being around people that believe the same thing as you. So, you know, through all of that, um, I also, right before I joined my company, I, I got gastric sleeve because the doctor told me you need to lose a lot of weight uh, or the cancer could come back. Uh, so I did, and um, I today am up down maybe about 200 pounds. Um, so um, I said also COVID is a blessing. Um, so in all of that, I am crazy in love. I've got... Um, two amazing teenagers, a five-year-old uh, business. Our staff has doubled in size, growing. Uh, we're running an MREA model team. Um, I created this amazing group course. and But I have created more discipline and um, more structure in my life than I've ever had. And my my marriage is stronger than ever. So during COVID, you know, we we... I get up at four o'clock in the morning. 
I have an hour of devotional with myself and time with me. And then from five to about 630, my husband and I walk and exercise and spend time together. So our, our life has gotten better because it's allowed our family to have time to connect. And in return, as I've gotten stronger, my business has gotten stronger. So through all of that, and I've been through so much, uh, it's just when you surround yourself around the, the right support, you can really overcome and get through anything. And um, you just have to really know why you get up each and every day. So anyway, that was the really short version. So <laughs> well, and, and it's and it's and it's incredible, right? I, I mean, I mean, to be able to accomplish I, I love I love the part where you go, I, I didn't even know what a CRM was like I was I was I had 300 listings and didn't know what a CRM was. So like, like, yeah. it's incredible. No, um, now, now I have one with eighty thousand contacts in it. It's, uh, see, that's a, that's amazing. I, I, I mean, that kind of that kind of network is something that many people will never achieve in their real estate business. And uh, and and what's amazing is um, you've you've done a big part of that, and you've kind of become known as this person with when it comes to REOs and mm -hmm. forbearance. I mean, you're you're like the go-to. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so, so I, I mentioned this before. I, I've been in the industry a, a number of years, and and in my experience, when it comes to short sales and brief foreclosures, people either love them or they hate them. Is that is that your same experience? It, it is, and uh, you know what I would tell you is I. I am very much process oriented. There's a book uh, called Rocket Fuel, um, and I am the visionary. However, being um, the integrator is something I have always done where you have systems and processes to follow. I have a great operations manager now that helps with the integration part. However, doing so many REOs, um, I did short sales when they weren't cool. My prior company, I created a short sale department for the company. Um, when short sales took six months to a year, we're closing short sales in two weeks because they they have now, they, they leverage the same systems and processes that the REOs do. And they have processes and they have uh, databases that they follow. So I very much like um, to be able to analyze data, have a workflow, and to be able to help others. Now, short sales are very much like REOs. Um, you have someone that lives in the home. You have to have a servant's heart that you're there to help them. And a lot of people, they don't look at it that way. And, and right now, with millions of homeowners going through forbearance, millions of renters that uh, are there, the eviction is going, uh, the CDC eviction hold is going to expire the first of the year. There are people that need our help. So during the REO business, I got involved with local nonprofits, uh, homeless, uh, knowing that there are nonprofits that help with down payment assistance or help with uh, utilities. We need to be an advocate for our community. And that's why to me, short sales are very much the same as REO. Uh, everyone, they they always reach out to me and they're, they think REO is easy. I just get given these houses. That That's not the case. Um, so I, the way I share is if you want to be in the REO business, you need to master the pre-foreclosure business because those loss mitigators that negotiate the short sales are your first step to get in with the REO business. All you have to do is make a relationship with them and say, how can I grow my relationship with your bank in a bigger way? 
I get direct short sales from some of the biggest banks in the country because I've done so many with them. People call them and they say, what's my options? They say, call my agent network. Um, you can still interview a local one. However, these are the agents I recommend. So you've got to put in the work and a lot of people don't want to put in the work. I share a story a lot. When I got into REO, there uh, was a company called EMC Mortgage. EMC Mortgage uh, was a subprime division that ends up, Chase ended up being part of. They used to require BPO agent A and B. A would get the listing, B would do it for free. And if there was ever a point where B's was better, you may get a listing. I did hundreds for free until I did one so great that it, it re recognized to the right person. And then I got hundreds of listings from that entity. However, most agents, they won't do that that work. They won't put in the work and they won't do things for free to create a relationship. It's just like prospecting. You get up every day and you can call for two hours a day for 30 days and not get anyone. But you know what? That Those nurturers, it could be six months from now, they pay off. So it just creates, it's consistency. And I, that's something I've always done. Well, and I love the way that you, that you relate it to prospecting, right? Because everybody it, on some level in their business, they go, I know that I have to prospect, right? The method, the method might differ from agent to agent, but everybody knows that this act of proactively going out there and finding business. And, and what you're saying is, look, the relationship with the bank is a form of prospecting. I mean, I, I you, you had mm -hmm. to do hundreds of transactions for free mm -hmm. and you compare that to making phone calls that, that don't turn into anything, but once it clicks, it, it, it really paid off for you. Is, is that, did I understand that correctly? I, absolutely. And like your system on the expireds, the, you know how many banks will expire out like on uh, that data is there. I I've actually called in, in asset managers I've known. They're like, can you please make your property back active because the listing expired because they didn't send a listing. They're like, my phone's ringing off the hook. Your your system has info for and normally the phone number that's on the expired for the corporate owned properties is the like CEO of the company. So when I prospect, I personally prospect for builders, large entities, hedge funds, you know, larger companies, but all that information's public record. So you just have to create the consistency and know what you're talking about. So that's why I created the course that I have is because, you know, it's, you literally have to teach it, learn the fundamentals, but right now there's millions of people that need our help. And there's so many different speculations on, is it one out of 10 or two out of 10 that are in forbearance? And a lot of that's not going to be public for a few months. But if you just become your neighborhood expert and, and share with everyone that you know what you're doing and you can help them with their with solutions and understand, yes, everything may not be a short sale. However, when a notice of default is public, if they haven't paid their mortgage since March and maybe December it becomes public, all those payments get added to what they owe on the property. So that eats up the equity. And people are, everyone's talking about, it's not going to be like 2008 because they have equity. Well, when you don't pay your mortgage for a year, what do you think happens? It eats up your equity. So that's where people just have to become educated and um, just help their community. And that's what I'm passionate about. Now you mentioned uh, you mentioned a little bit ago that that right now you're closing short sale transactions in a matter of weeks. Yeah. What uh, what what does that what does that process look like? Because 
I think I think right now, right, we've experienced amazing markets and incredibly mm-hmm. growing markets for the past several years. And so so short sales are like unless you're a pro, short sales are, are the last thing on agents' minds. Yep. So I think that there's probably some listeners going, uh, I'm sorry, what? Short sales are in two <laughs> weeks? So yeah. so tell me more about what that process looks like for you right now because because I mean that's it's incredible. Most people look at short sales and go, I thought that was a year-long process. No. I, no, they're short sales, everyone used to tease they should be called long sales. So first right. and foremost, right. what you need, and this is the same thing with REO, you've got to be able to follow instructions and direction. So first and foremost, you need a seller that is willing to do their part. If you have to chase a seller to fill out a short sale package, you need to probably tell that seller good luck. Because if if the seller is unwilling to do, do the things necessary to help impact their credit and, and get the house sold, it, this it is not going to go quickly. So if you have a seller that's willing to fill out a few pages, sign an affidavit, that that's first and foremost important. Most short sales, you can have that conversation with the seller if you know what you're talking about and just say, you know what, Mr. Seller, do you know that that it's not going to cost you anything out of pocket? You do have negative equity. Uh, the great thing right now is the bank it could potentially offer you cash for keys, several thousand dollars to move out of your home, take everything out of your home, and you can potentially get a check for handing over the keys and and signing the closing paperwork. Because right now, the bank does not want the property back. Um, I can send you a listing agreement in a few minutes with all the instructions. What's your email? That, that was, I mean, that was your script right there. I mean, that was, that was short and simple. Now, here's my question is, is, how how often you I mean one you sent number one right They've, it's got to be a motivated seller how often do you get on the phone with these people and they don't really understand what their options are would you say that that's most of the people that are in this situation yeah so that that is I I use a divorce scenario when a divorce is filed and you you get served divorce papers your emotion level is a lot different till from the time the divorce is final you're right. going through an emotion level so. A lot of times your system, as soon as that notice of default is filed, if you're calling daily, you're going to call them before they even know or they're even served notice of default. So your first touch needs to be, I have a buyer looking to buy a home in your neighborhood. If you were offered the right price, would you be willing to sell? That's the first touch. And guess what? you should have a buyer, whether it's your office just sold one or you find a cash buyer. Finding a cash buyer is not hard. You go to the MLS, you look at cash sales, you look at tax records and you send them a letter saying, can I find help you find properties to buy? It's not, it's not hard. So I, I do like, I'm passionate on teaching those steps. However, you have a first touch and then you follow up with them again. We have a lot of success on yellow letters, which is just a simple letter that goes out to the seller that's in form of a letter uh, that gets sent to them. Um, it, you know, just letting them know what their options are. However, you got to understand what the options are. So um, it that's where you um, 
one of the easiest websites to navigate is Flagstar. Uh, you can go there and on the top it says coronavirus options and then mortgage relief. And uh, you can click on, um, it, they have like exactly what the CARES Act is, stimulus package. Most banks all have right now do the coronavirus, the big banks, they have at the top, you know, find out what your options are. Now, the great thing is, well, it's not the great thing, due to forbearance, a lot of the asset managers that manage the bank, the REO side, got realigned to the forbearance, which is called the loss mitigation department. Those are the people, the people that do forbearance, most of them are the people that do short sales. So a forbearance package, when you need an extension on your forbearance package, it's similar to what a short sale is, a short sale package is. Gotcha. So if okay. most banks, it's this, it's almost the same exact package. So if a seller has maybe done a forbearance, because right now our job should be to, to get the home sold prior to their forbearance payment or their agreement defaulting, because it'll allow them to save their credit and potentially do a lease back to whoever currently buys it, if say there's enough equity and allow someone to come in and buy their home, do it like a 60 day lease back to give them time to go buy another home. Cause you can't get a mortgage when you're not current on your forbearance payments or you're in forbearance without current. So it really is a transition on understanding the steps, but knowing your options is a lot about us being educated. It, it's, it, it's not, it's not hard. You can go to one of the banks. Um, you know, I do a really great guide, but it's your options right now is to potentially extend your forbearance, do a loan modification, um, potentially refinance the home. If you're not behind in, in your mortgage, I can sell the home and this is what I can get for the home. If you're getting ready to lose the property, if like there's a foreclosure sale date, I, I can do my best to find a cash buyer we can list it on the market and due to the market being so hot, I can sell your home and sell it quickly and safely. So depending on COVID and what it is, you have to know how, how to safe sell and, and things to that nature. So knowing your options and having, when I talk to somebody, they don't question that I don't know the options. And then you need to follow up with them. Now, I call it keep it simple, stupid. You can easily read these options. Like your system allows you to add scripts on top of the, the lead. So you can literally read the options, put together a nice sheet and send it to the seller, but then you got to follow up. And that's what us as agents, we normally drop the ball on. So that's where you got to nurture them and probably send something in the mail. Send out cards is beautiful. Uh, people love them or um, I love just handwritten cards and um, just being there to help them and being an advocate. Cause when you help someone that is in distress or a short sale, um, someone that's behind on their mortgage, maybe a little bit embarrassed and you, it's a great experience with them. They're going to tell everybody. Very true. So now anyway, sorry. <laughs> I kinda... No, 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 no. This is, this is fantastic information. I'm taking notes here and I'm sure that all of our listeners are taking notes. Um, <laughs> Help, help me. Let's, let's, let's assume that let's assume that short sales is not a part of my real estate business, but I want okay. it to be, uh, walk me through maybe some of the most important things. And you've mentioned a few, right? One of these, and one of these things I wrote down here is you really have to be the expert, but you, you made that as simple as look, you just, just write it down and read it to somebody. If that's what, if mm -hmm. that's what their options are. 
but what are what are the other important things that an agent might need to know in order to get started into this portion of the business that, like I said, many people just kind of stay away from and have for the last decade? Well, uh, if you have a mortgage on your home, you should call the bank. It's very interesting when you call them and ask what your options are and, and really talk. And I actually did that for my own mother-in-law, who is almost 80, when forbearance happened. And they were ready to give her a forbearance for a good six months and with just a verbal yes. So talking to your own bank about options is very educational. However, the first step is you need to call the bank. It, when you're working, you people get caught up in overwhelming and it just needs to be added to your process. A short sale is just like a normal listing with an addendum and different verbiage on the MLS. As soon as you get the listing, you call the bank that is on the mortgage. You don't even have to have the authorization yet. And just say, I have a client I just signed a listing agreement for that would like to do a short sale. Can you point me in the right direction? Most of them are going to email you or they're going to send you to a website that has a step-by-step -step package. That package needs to be filled out depending on the bank's criteria. There's normally an authorization letter that it needs to be filled out. Um, I also recommend you to ask your title company or your attorney's office if they process short sales. Mine does. I use the title company I do for over 10 years because I don't have to do the short sales anymore. It doesn't cost me anything. They have someone on staff. In the heyday, there were third-party short sale negotiators. I highly recommend. If you're going to do a lot of them, you can create massive departments in, for your own office with an admin. It's like a transaction coordinator. You have timelines. You have to follow a task. But when you call the bank that is is um, for the mortgage for your client and just ask them what their process is, it's just like an REO. REOs, all the processes are different. You, they give you, here's the process. You can have 20 banks all with different processes. That's the same thing with a short sale. You, you follow their process. You submit the package, the, you copy the multiple listing, which is going to need to be required. Let the short sale get packed, processed in the system. Then they're going to need a closing statement and a contract. So I always say never wait to register the short sale. If the client wants a short sale, you get them to work on the package. A lot of times they're going to need tax records. If they don't have tax, if they don't have taxes, like because a lot of people behind, they haven't done their taxes, you just let the bank know. They're very much not wanting to take properties back and work on solutions. So if you have a seller that's willing to make the phone calls and willing to do a few pieces of paper, um, it's, it's, it's not a hard process, but you got to be task oriented or find someone that will and, and share it with them. I used to do a lot of short sales in the heyday with agents that didn't want to do it. And I did it all. And, and we just shared in the, the transaction. Well, and you, and, and earlier you said, look, you, you've got to be able to follow instructions and, and, and mm -hmm. that bit of advice is now it, making far more sense to me, right? It's because you're saying, look, everybody has their own process, mm -hmm. every bank, every lender, However, they're either going to email you or send you to a website that says, here are the steps, right? Mm -hmm. one, two, one, one through however many there are. And, and but, but, all you have to do is execute on each of those. 
and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, they can also join my course and I'll teach them how to do it and give them <laughs> all the forms in the process. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we, we do cover short sales, prospecting for it and things like that. So it is a process. Um, you, you have, it's, it's not rocket science, but you do need to, have, to be process oriented or learn how to be or find the missing person and make sure that they can help you with that. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not just being a listing agent for a short sale. In this next wave of uncertainty, you're going to represent a buyer on a short sale and you're going to need to know the questions to ask. You're going to need to know to call the listing agent and want to know, was the package su submitted? Um, has a BPO been done? Or any have any offers been turned down? So there are processes, but when you learn it on the list side, it's going to make you represent your buyers better as well. So, so th this is amazing information and I, I think we could go for hours and hours, right? And if and I think if anybody is interested in, in figuring out exactly what the process is like, like you said, you have a course, there's yep. other resources that are out there, but mm -hmm. let me let me let me ask some questions about the about even getting to that point, right? You'd mentioned that you, you you're a big user of Red X, you use our, our pre foreclosure yep. leads, you use our, our for rent by owner leads. Um, how are you taking the Red X leads that we're providing to you? and turning those into listings. What is the process you're going through? Because we focused a lot on once you have that, then what? Um, and, and so I wanna know, I wanna know what's that process like in, in getting to the point where you're having the conversation and taking listings or at least getting people who are interested saying, well, what are my options? So a really hot point that people don't even look at, first and foremost, you need to follow the do not call. That is that is extremely okay. important. Now your system indicates who the do not call is. Mm -hmm. Now people don't call them and they don't even go to their house. If you just focused on going and sending mailers or door hangers to the people on the do not call, that would greatly affect your business because no one else does. Um, so you, a simple door hanger, um, a yellow letter and a phone call. It, it really, truly, if you're focusing on a farm in a certain area, hitting them in more than one way. So you have to look at when you're calling people, you're, you've got to be the first or the last because they get home from work, they got 50 messages. So that's where I've got a runner that has door hangers that actually, door hangers that go on, on the door. So we have a phone call with a door hanger and then follow up by a letter. So being consistent and hitting them in different ways is really important. And um, I, I will tell you, um, nobody ever has anything on the door. So that's, that's a fantastic bit of advice, right? I mean, we're all looking at ways to get in front of people. And if nobody's hanging door, not hanging door well, hangers, then it, why not? If you call for two hours and you only get three people, picture how many people you can go to their door or just pulling through your system, the old expireds that haven't been relisted or, you know, the notice of defaults that have closer sale dates. You can, it, it literally, we have, hold on. It's like a dorky, like house. I don't know if you can see, but it's, yeah, yeah right there. It's just, it, it's nothing crazy. So, you know, but it's, that's the consistency. That's what I would say. Uh, we nurture them. I do have four ISAs um, and our team is lead generating and, um, you know, it's, it's all in the follow-up and it's in the consistency. And every day we're calling everybody and doing the same system every day. Not, not, not lead generating 
once a week or calling 10 people and saying it doesn't work. You've got to commit. And if it's, I'm calling 10 expireds, 10 for, uh, you know, for the, I always screwed up for sale by renters, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, geo leads, uh, you know, pre foreclosures, and you're doing that each day, you know, you just have to be consistent in hitting the new ones each and every day. So you, you've got a team uh, and, and it sounds like, it sounds like you understand, look, there has to be consistency. It's not a, when you have time to get out and prospect, right? This is a proactive part of your business so much. So yes. that you've got specialized members of your team that that's what they're doing all the time. Yes. Um, what, what about, what about somebody who doesn't have all of that? What, mm -hmm. what, uh, what about somebody who's just the, the, the loan agent and they're running things? How important is dedicating that time to prospecting generating oh. that business? So um, one of my mentors, Gary Keller, said that during the shift, we were supposed to double our prospecting. So before we were told two hours of prospecting. So your morning routine is the most important thing for a single agent. So you're in a in an area that you prospect and you focus on on leads and your phone is not distracting you. You are doing nothing but calling for a certain amount of time. And if calling isn't isn't your drive for a single agent, use the data and even you can print flyers, you know, from your office and put what make sure don't put it in the mailbox because I without a stamp and sending it through the post office is, is not allowed. But you can go and put a it, something on the door or a simple door hanger. You as a new agent, it all it is is consistency. It, it really is, and nurturing your pipeline and the conversations that you have. Um, read the scripts. It, the more you read and internalize the scripts, the better it's going to get. So, you know, you've got to have time for lead generating, lead follow-up, working on your business, working in your business, but you can do all of that in less than five hours a day. Um, most of the agents, they they forget that part on actually learning their craft though. So, you know, I when I do, I have an hour of walking that I do. So I'm listening to a podcast. Um, so something on a skill set and something on me. So, you know, it's self-improvement and then skill sets. So, you know, that's something they have to do. And if they're not getting the scripts and they're not, it, it's not, doesn't feel natural, find a role play partner, write out the script. I'm very auditory. So I speak it and then I, I listen to it. So you got to find out what works. But if you just commit um, our company has this thing called 66 day challenge. If you've read the one, one thing, you know, if you just commit to doing the same thing every day for 66 days, you're going to see success where us as uh, single agents, you lose focus is, is it's like the squirrel mentality. It's, right. you know, I'm lead generating for 30 minutes. Oh, a buyer wants to go see a home. That buyer can wait till two or four o'clock you know, whatever your schedule looks like. Yeah. I think, I think the, the biggest fault there, because some people will, will, will mm -hmm. argue and they'll say, yeah, but going with that buyer is a money-making activity. Right. But, but the truth is you never, mm -mm. you never build real momentum. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. you never, I mean, I know for me getting on the phones, it, it's usually like 30 minutes before you really get in the groove anyway, before you, before you get to the mindset that you really need to be in. And so I, I you're, you I, you're preaching, you're, you're speaking my language, right? Is this well, morning routine is so crucial. 
Well, and I always, always recommend that when you, when you're getting ready to prospect, call people that you know already, you know, warm it up, call, you know, call some friends, a past client, um, vendors, those are easy. You know, you could call your mortgage person, just check in it, warm up with your phone calls. So. Yeah, and I and and I've heard that advice often, and it's so smart. Uh, I talked to an agent one time. They said I call my mom every morning, and mm -hmm. I ask her if she wants to sell her home, right? And she knows what I'm doing, so she never takes offense, and I don't take offense when she says no. But I know that that that's going to be a positive conversation. I get to mm -hmm. I get in the mindset, and then mm -hmm. I move on to the next one, right? And and, and it, it's it is fantastic advice. I I think that um, I think that far too often the proactive. Uh, effort of improving our skills goes, uh, it gets set by the wayside, right? Too often it, it, we, we don't spend time to actively focus on our skills and, and it shows. I, I agree. And you know, the, the big thing too is um, there are many types of agents and many types of clients. You've got to figure out what works for you. You know, I know agents that crush door knocking right now during COVID, obviously they door knock and step back six feet. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know agents that love social media and videos or sending handwritten letters, you know, really, you know, you can be scared to death to pick up the phone. However, if you send out a hundred letters a week and they call you, it's a different story. Or you take the data and that is on your system and you put it into custom audiences on Facebook. There's more than one way. And depending on who you are, your, your finances, obviously picking up the phone or going door to door with a simple letter or a door hanger is the most inexpensive for a single agent. You can grow into all the fancy stuff, uh, but the agents have to understand, you know, a high D and a high I is going to lead generate different than a high D and a high C. So, you know, that's where you have to really figure out what works for you. Um, and I, getting a coach is to me the most important thing and it having a coach or being part of a mentor group or a productivity coaching group in your office, something that you're learning from, you're learning and someone is holding you accountable is also going to help. Well, and early on, you mentioned as you're sharing your story, you said that that you you were recommended this this coaching program. So you went to the event, and then you followed that up by saying you have to surround yourself with people who think bigger, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we we we, um, you know, sometimes our large egos like us to be the smartest person in the room, but then you never progress. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and I think that um, I think that that you've exemplified that in the things that you said, right? Look, I, I, I try to surround myself with people that think bigger than I do, which is fantastic well, advice. And you know what? It's COVID. So sometimes that may be a little difficult, but you know what? One of my mentors, someone asked him, who do you learn from? Because, you know, you look at someone of his caliber on, you know, who's going to coach him? And he learns from books and podcasts. So, you know, it's, you can, it doesn't matter the situation or the finances. There are so many brilliant podcasts out there you can learn, learn from um, it, you know, but I definitely recommend surrounding yourself with people that you want to be and think three to five years from now. And if your business plan isn't done right now, you need to work on that because hey, guess what, what we're lead generating for today is, is what we're going to see next year. I, I totally agree. 
Christina, this has been fantastic. I, I, uh, I, we're, we're bumping up to the time here that we have allotted, but this has been uh, amazing. It's fantastic to hear your story and how you've become such an expert in what it is that you've focused on. And, and, uh, and it really shows, right? It shows that the amount of effort that you've put in over the years, in spite of adversity and trials and that sort of thing, that you've really, uh, that you've really come to to be great at what you do and 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 love what you do, and it shows in the way that you talk about it. And so, um, I'm I'm ex I'm excited for people to uh, become more familiar with you as you've been on our podcast, and and uh, we're grateful for the uh, time you've spent to be with us. Let me let me just remind all of uh, all of you who are listening. We do this podcast on a regular basis. We've adjusted the schedule ever so slightly here, but uh, make sure that you're subscribed to get the updates for this podcast. We interview great people like Christina every single week, and so um, if you want, if you're not subscribed and you want to get subscribed, make sure to go to our website, theredx.com. Click on the podcast link in the upper in the uh, in the banner up there at the top, the uh, navigation bar. And that you'll be able to subscribe to get all the updates for our podcast, both previous and upcoming. Um, Christina, thank you so much. This thank you for having me. We are grateful. If you'll hang out with me, we'll discuss Absolutely. a few things post-show. But guys and gals, thank you for everything. Have a fantastic uh, remainder of your week. Happy Halloween as it's coming up on Saturday. And uh, have a fantastic November, December, and a phenomenal 2021.